Hello everyone, I'm Chris Linfont and welcome to Nest Talk, the newest and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. On this inaugural episode, we take you through recent Ravens injury news along with analysis on the Lamar Jackson hype and the Ravens secondary. We will also talk about five rookies to watch this preseason on the offensive side of the ball. But first, let's break down some ground rules for the show moving forward. Again, I'm Chris Linfont. I am also the owner and editor of BaltimoreFeather.com, a Baltimore Ravens blog, which is also the host of this show. I'm also co-host of the Goal Line Stance podcast, also owned by BaltimoreFeather.com, with my co-host over there, Nick Sparber. Um, so this podcast is going to be a Baltimore Ravens-centered podcast with weekly episodes uploaded every Wednesday. Now, I know uh, you're seeing this on Thursday, and it's also being recorded on Thursday. I know that's inconsistent with what I just said, but that's just for how logistics worked out. We recorded an episode of Goal Line Stance, uh, a little impromptu, uh, had to be delayed, for uh, Wednesday, which was originally going to be the day I recorded Nest Talk. So we just moved everything back a day, and now I'm here today. So, uh, I'm going to talk about the Baltimore Ravens for however long I want to, really. I mean, I don't have exactly a specified um, time limit yet. I'm hoping to get this show maybe to an hour long. Maybe if I, you know, sort of move things around and stuff and figure out, you know, how, how this is going to go. Um, but since I'm so early on in this, we're just going to talk about it forever long. I don't think we're going to get to an hour today. We might, but I don't think we will. Um, all opinions are my own. Uh, none of these opinions are being influenced by anybody else. I'm just seeing the Ravens news or making analysis, opinions, and conjectures, um, by my own accord, and it's all based on reality, of course, and I hope to be as honest with you as possible on my takes. I'm not about just giving a hot take on the Ravens just to give a hot take. I want to give an honest opinion, and it's really what I think. Um, if you would like to suggest topics or ask questions in the future, you can email us at nesttalk at baltimorefeather.com. That's N-E-S-T-T-A-L-K at B-A-L-T-I-M-O-R-E-F-E-A-T-H-E-R.com. Nesttalk at baltimorefeather.com. You can also follow Nesttalk uh, on Twitter at Nesttalk or like us on Facebook. Just search Nesttalk on Facebook. You can follow me at Chris Linfon on Twitter, and you can also follow the Baltimore Feather at on Twitter at BeMoreFeather or like us on Facebook book, uh, just by searching up Baltimore Feather. Okay, so we've got some um, news to talk about today. Now, given that it's the offseason, we're only in training camp, we don't have a ton of Ravens news to actually talk about, but we do have one piece that's somewhat interesting, and that is that Ravens running back Kenneth Dixon uh, injured his hamstring today. Now, we don't know really the full extent of the injury. Um, Ravens reporter Jeff Zrebeck is calling it a hamstring tweak. Don't really know what that means. He could be out for a few weeks. Maybe he doesn't miss any time at all. I don't know. Um, he left practice, uh, 30 minutes into it today, and he walked off gingerly with a trainer. Um, so for those of you that don't know the extent of Dixon's injury history, it really started in college, um, where he sprained his MCL in 2013, missed a few games there, and in 2015 he sprained his ankle. Um, not crazy stuff there, but it really gets messy when he gets to the NFL. So the Ravens drafted him in 2016, his rookie year. Um, he was presumed to be healthy, but he ended up pulling his MCL and missed a week of practice. Then later that month, or I'm sorry, a month later, he tore his MCL and sat out for four weeks of the regular season. Then last year, he tore his meniscus and missed the entirety of the 2017 season. So now 
He's got another injury issue here. We're not really sure the extent of it yet, but it doesn't look to be too serious so far. Um, so basically, you know, he does have a troubling injury history here, so we really can't take anything for granted with his health. Now, the Ravens do have backup options should his health become a major issue either from this injury or later this offseason. They did sign three undrafted uh, rookie running backs, and I know that doesn't sound like a very appealing um, option for the Ravens, and we'll get to other options in a moment. But I first want to talk about these three running backs. Now, you have Gus Edwards out of Rutgers, um, Delance Turner out of Alcorn State, and Mark Thompson out of Florida. Now, the one I think that have the most um, highest probability of following up um, Kenneth Dixon should the Ravens part with him over injury issues or any really uh, any issue out of these three running backs would be Gus Edwards. Now, the reason I say that is because he's a 6'2", 225 running back. He's got a lot of strength and can run down the field very well, um, but he's also got a lot of praise from offensive coordinator Marty Mornweg. Uh, just today, actually, in a press conference, Mornweg basically said that, you know, he doesn't have a lot of downsides and he's a, he's his size is a huge upside for the Ravens and that going forward, it might be something I want to take a look at. So let's say Kenneth Dixon doesn't make the roster and the Ravens want to have at least three running backs in the roster, which I'm sure they do want to have at least three, could be even four. They're going to probably have Gus Edwards on this roster, but they also have two other options they could choose from. And the preseason is, uh, hasn't even happened yet has even started. So we really don't know what Gus Edwards would look like on the field. The other two options, of course, are DeLance Turner out of Alcorn State and Mark Thompson out of Florida. Now, DeLance Turner, he's a 5'11", elusive back. He's got some speed to him. He can make quick, shifty plays. Um, he's probably more um, like Kenneth Dixon than Gus Edwards would be, and Mark Thompson as well. Now, Mark Thompson is similar to Gus Edwards in the fact that he's a big physical back. He played at Florida, and yes, you see, that's the kind of football you need. You know, a grounded pound offense is, is going to be what moves the ball. Um, we'll have to see how all three of these guys play. We'll see them play um, starting next week at the Hall of Fame game, which we'll talk about um, on our episode next week. But... We're going to have to wait and see how, how all these guys play. Now, I do still believe that Gus Edwards would probably be the most prime candidate to make this roster, just the way that he's been talked about by Marty Mornweg. I don't think this is even the first time Mornweg has um, referenced uh, Gus Edwards to this extent. He's definitely happy with the way he's producing in practice, so I think that good impression will carry over very well when it comes time to making roster decisions um, on the offensive side of the ball. Now, um, the Ravens have two other options, or really one other option, but two players I really highlight here that could end up on the roster. Now, assuming that they don't like any of the uh, undrafted rookie uh, running backs to this point, and they have an issue here where they're saying, look, we got to get somebody else in here to replace Kenneth Dixon because we can't you know, rely on him with his injury history and, and the hamstring, and if, let's say this, this thing boils into something you know, much greater, or he sustains another injury that really hinders his play and, you know, would take him out for a while, then they probably won't keep him uh, for much longer. There's two running backs on the free agent market that I think would be uh, prime candidates to be selected by the Ravens to um, to fill in this role. Uh, I would say the first is DeMarco Murray. Uh, first of all, he's probably the best back on the roster overall. He's 30 years old, though, so he's a little up there, but for the Ravens, that's probably a plus side. Most of their backs are pretty young, and they really need a veteran presence. I mean, the starting running back is Alex Collins, who's only in his third year and had one good year. I mean, I, I believe Alex Collins is going to do extremely well this year, but, you know, 
a one-year wonder. It's happened before, and it could happen again. So, you know, if you put a veteran in there, let's say something does go wrong with Alex Collins, and you have DeMarco Murray, who's going to come in and, and make plays. You know you know what he's going to do. He's got the experience. He's got the mindset to, to, to take over the position and do well. Um, the other player that could see some potential here on the Ravens, if they do get rid of Kenneth Dixon, would be Alfred Morris. Now, Alfred Morris was with the Redskins for a while and moved to... Dallas Cowboys a couple years ago. He's now off the Cowboys, was released. Uh, they don't really need him anymore now that Zeke Elliott has taken that role and pretty much, um, you know, seized it for himself, and, and there's no reason to have other, you know, high-profile running backs on that roster. Uh, Alfred Morris is only 29. I mean, yes, you know, it's, it's up there. It's, you know, a year below 30, but he's still got a little gas in the tank probably. I'm surprised he's actually not been picked up by anybody. I thought he would be by now. Should the Ravens want to move in a direction of a veteran running back, then um, Al- Alfred Morris would be um, an excellent choice for the Ravens. I think it would fit in well with Marty Mornweg's offensive scheme. Okay, so that's basically the entire situation surrounding Kenneth Dixon. Um, I kind of thought earlier this offseason that he might not make the roster based on his injury history. And then, of course, he was suspended last year as well for four games, but didn't matter because he was out the entire year. Um... I'm not really sure he's going to make the roster. If he gets another injury, it's going to be very hard for him to make the roster. You know, if he sits out any time in the preseason and another running back starts, like, showing him up, one of these undrafted guys, then it's going to be very difficult for him to make the roster. And the Ravens could always go after, you know, some other running backs on the practice squad or some other team's practice squad that we don't know of at the moment, and we'll probably have to see or wait and see until the preseason, you know, who stands out on every team to really make assumptions, you know, based on who they could go get from another team. Okay, so that's that entire situation. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Lamar Jackson. Now, I'm not going to talk about Lamar Jackson in the sense the rest of the media is talking about Lamar Jackson. The fact of the matter is, mo- uh, many in the media, not a lot of, not all of them, but many, um, are basically claiming there's a quarterback controversy in Baltimore, and they're speculating over when this season, not, not if, when this season, Lamar Jackson shakes over for Joe Flacco. And I want to make a point that this is not really based in any truth. The first reason I'm going to say that is basically every coach has said that this is Joe Flacco's team. Now, I'm not trying to discredit Lamar Jackson in any way. I think Lamar Jackson is a good plan for the future for the Ravens, but right now I think Joe Flacco is the best candidate to lead the Ravens back to the playoffs. I don't think Lamar Jackson would be able to do it this year. Lamar Jackson needs to refine his game and make himself a better passer and, you know, adjust the NFL game before he can really be thrown into there and expected to perform. I, I think it would be unfair to him, frankly. So we have the people in the media basically speculating and, you know, predicting what week this is going to happen. And some people are saying as early as, like, week two or week three, and other people are saying, like, really late in the season. You know, and some people are just saying it's not going to happen at all. And I respect them because they're probably, you know, more uh, akin to what's going on um, in the Ravens organization itself. So... They're overhyping Lamar Jackson at this point, and it's really unfair to place all this pressure on him to perform when he might not even get in. Um, it's definitely going to be Joe Flacco's team. I don't see any way that, that Mar- Lamar Jackson's going to come in here and take the helm over from Joe Flacco at this point. Either Joe Flacco gets injured or some crazy you know, I- I- suspension comes for Joe Flacco and they have to get rid of him. That's the only way Lamar Jackson's getting in this year. Um or maybe they want to rest Joe Flacco late in the season. It's you know they go fifteen and zero and they want to rest Joe Flacco for the last game. Okay, but that's the only way. Um, aside from you know the, the trick plays, I'm talking about you know being a starter. 
Um, I also think this is detrimental to the fan base because essentially, you know, the national media people here are promising that, you know, Lamar Jackson is going to be this, you know, extremely good player this year because Joe Flacco is this boring, you know, old pocket passer. And it's, you know, really going to cause a divide in the fan base. And what I'm talking about is by the time the first ball hits the ground in an incompletion, there's going to be people in the stands and on Twitter calling for the benching of Flacco so you could put Jackson in. It might not make any sense in the in the in the way that you know Joe Flacco's you know leaps and miles ahead of of uh, Lamar Jackson at this point. He's gonna perform better than Lamar Jackson. It doesn't doesn't matter. It's just Lamar Jackson is this new intriguing prospect that we can get rid of Joe Flacco for. And many people, you know, rightly so, are upset with how Joe Flacco's played. You know, I I don't think it's entirely his fault. I've said that probably a million times. But, you know, I can see where people are coming from when they're upset with how Joe Flacco's played. But, you know, if we have a fan base that's going to be divided over the quarterback issue, we're just going to, you know, not all be on the same page here. And we don't need to all be on the same page on every single issue here. But when it comes to the franchise quarterback, right now it's Joe Flacco. And the team does not want to move on from Joe Flacco until they have to or until they feel that it's best for them to do so. Right now, it, it obviously appears that it's not best for them to do so. Uh, I haven't been down to practice yet. I'll be going in a couple weeks to uh, watch the Ravens practice. But from uh, the insider information I am getting, uh, Lamar Jackson has has shown flashes of excellence. He really has. But at the same time, he he's been inconsistent, especially on some of the middle passes and the deeper passes. So you know, if he can you know refine that very well, that'd be good. And I'm also concerned about in injury issues with Lamar Jackson. I mean, look, Lamar Jackson didn't have a lot of injury issues in college, but you know, he's he's smaller than the typical quarterback. Not so much height-wise, but the weight. You know, that's going to be an issue. If if he's getting hit, you know, by, let's say, Haloti Nada. You know, Haloti is a huge guy. If he gets hit by someone, you know, like that, or Aaron Donald, or, or you know, Vic Beasley, they're playing the Falcons this year, um, that might, he might take a big hit over that. And, you know, I don't know the way he's made up right now if he's going to be able to... Um, sustain that. So I want him to get some experience in the preseason. And of course, I want him to be in on some trick plays and, you know, get him moving and get him some mild hits first before he becomes a full-time starter and really gets, you know, pounded because, you know, he's going to get hit. If, especially if he's running a lot, he's going to get hit a lot. And we saw what happened to RG3. RG3, you know, was this great talent and, you know, he's a great guy too. But when he, when he goes out there and he does all this running and, you know, his height, weight and everything, combine it all he's he takes all these hits and he gets injured constantly I don't want to see that with Lamar Jackson I want to see Lamar Jackson be healthy I want to see Lamar Jackson develop into a strong quarterback that's going to make the Ravens very good um I think it's again unfair to put uh to to talk about Lamar Jackson like this like he's going to be the savior of the Ravens this year when in fact I mean it'd be very very um it'd be very difficult for him to become the full-time starter this year, just based on the way the team's going. It's not like we're in full rebuild mode here. We went 9-7 last year, missed the playoffs by a single play. That wasn't even the offense's fault. That was on the defense, um, and we've addressed the side of the defense with Wink Martindale, who we're going to talk about um, just next. Um, but I, I think that overall we're on an upward, upward trend here, and as long as the Ravens are winning, as Joe Flacco said, I don't think um, Lamar Jackson... Uh, is going to be much of a controversy um, once the Ravens start winning. And I hope so, because I want to see, you know, not a lot of drama surrounding the Ravens. I want to see people, you know, calling for Flacco's head every time a ball is intercepted or, uh, you know, 
it's an incomplete pass or an overthrown, you know, overthrown or underthrown or whatever. Um, so yeah, um, back onto um, Don Wink Martindale, uh, the new Ravens defensive coordinator. I'm going to talk about um, the Ravens defense a little bit here. Um, basically, if you you know read uh, the blog BaltimoreFeather.com. You saw that I published an article a few days ago basically outlining why the Ravens secondary has an opportunity to be extremely dominant this year. Um, look, the Ravens secondary was very good last year. Um, overall, that secondary uh, showed their prominence and, and performed to a very high level at certain points. But at the same time, um, we, we saw them struggle down the line, and I think that there's a lot of ways they can improve, and I think they're going to improve drastically and probably be the best secondary in the entire National Football League. So, we're a little basically talk about the points I outlined in that article because I think it'd be interesting to share with you guys as well. So the first, um, the the first thing, obviously, everything has to go according to plan. I mean, not so much according to plan that everybody has a Pro Bowl season. I mean, what's outlined right now is the plan. If everything goes according to plan, if, if no major injuries occur and no one gets suspended, then this is probably what's going to happen. So the depth and talent of the secondary is bar none. Nobody else tops the Ravens at this point. You have Jimmy Smith, who was having the best year of his career and should have been gone to the Pro Bowl if he didn't get injured and then the, the suspension for the what was later revealed by him to be a pre-workout supplement that he he uh, claims he didn't know was on the list and was on the list prior to either this year or the year before was added to the list sometime recently of, of NFL um, banned substances. So Jimmy Smith is coming back, and he, he was fantastic last year. He did so well. I, I mean, I've never seen him do that well. He was a lockdown corner. Everything about him, I mean, you could not pass on the guy. He held everybody to, it was like 40-some passer rating. I mean, phenomenal season. You also have Marlon Humphrey coming into his second season. Now, now Marlon Humphrey... Last year was a little rocky start at the beginning, but down the stretch, he performed lights out. Marlon Humphrey was probably the best cornerback once Jimmy Smith got injured on that roster. And we and, and the Ravens still had Brandon Carr, we're going to get to in a second. But Marlon Humphrey coming into his second year, he's got to work on the deep ball a little bit, defending that. Um, I think that Marlon Humphrey's going to really progress in that sense. And, you know, uh, the Ravens you know, have always developed great secondaries, you know, in recent years, it's kind of fallen apart, uh, 2015, 2016 weren't that great, but 2017 was pretty good, now 2018, um, can be dominant as long as Marlon Humphrey continues to develop, and that's part of the plan that I, uh, re referenced earlier, we have Brandon Carr coming back, now Brandon Carr has never missed a game in his NFL career, which is really something for a veteran player of his magnitude and caliber, now Brandon Carr spent a lot of time with the Cowboys, and some other teams floated around. Last year he came in, he played well, and then sometimes he didn't play well. He was criticized a lot by fans um, when, when he would give up certain passes and, and get burnt deep. I don't think that's going to happen so much this year. I think the overall depth and talent of the secondary is going to help Brandon Carr out. He doesn't have to play as much with um, some other players coming back and then some additions um, we'll talk about in a second. Um so you have Brandon Carr, who's got that experience, who's going to come in in those situations and be able to, you know, dissect an offense of what they're going to do. And he'll be able to also mentor Marlon Humphrey and some of the other uh, cornerbacks who are um, developing on this roster, such as Tavon Young, Maurice Kennedy, um, and Anthony Averett. Now, Anthony Averett was drafted this year um, out of Alabama, so that marks another Alabama player drafted by Hazi Newsom. you got to have at least one a year, right? So, um, Anthony Averett looks pretty good so far. Uh, I hope 
almost certainly make the roster. I know the Ravens had a lot of picks this year, so it's going to be hard for everybody to make the roster. But uh, Anthony Averett, um, we'll have to wait to the preseason to really see him. I'm, I'm going to also I mentioned I go down to practice uh, in a couple weeks to watch the Ravens. But we'll have to see how that um, how he pans out then and in the preseason. I think he can develop into a good cornerback, uh, but he's a little bit of a dark horse for this year. Um, whether or not he'll be, um, you know, getting a lot of play time, it's going to be difficult because of the extreme depth at this uh, defensive back position in the corners specifically. Um, but he, he may get some time, and, and we'll see how well he does. I really do want to see how well he does in the preseason. I think that would be a, a good indicator of how the season will go for him. Now, um, back to Tavon Young a little bit. Uh, Tavon Young was a Temple product a few years ago. I think it was a 2016 draft. Uh, in fact, it was. Now, Tavon Young was a slot cornerback, kind of a you know package guy who, who played very well. Um, he ended up playing a lot more than expected um, his rookie year, and he, he picked off a lot of passes, was great on special teams. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember back in 2016, the Cleveland Browns game when the Ravens were trailing the Browns like, what was it, 21-0 or 22-0 or something like that, and and they go for the extra point, and he, and uh, I don't remember if he blocked it or uh, someone else blocked it, but I think he picked it up and ran it in for for a uh, two-point conversion. I mean, he was phenomenal his rookie season. He was really, everybody was looking forward to seeing him last season with Marlon Humphrey out there becoming, you know, some with Jimmy Smith becoming some of the best uh, corners in the league, and then, you know, he gets injured and he's out the entire year. So he's coming back basically for a de facto um, sophomore season here. Um, what we're going to see out of him this year, you know, it, it really depends. I, I think he's he's definitely got the, the mindset of playing well. Um, we have to make sure that he stays healthy, and we also have to um, watch to see if that uh, previous injury impacts him in any way. If he can return to form in 2016 and continue his development, he's going to be an amazing um, slot cornerback. You know, he's a little shorter than most cornerbacks, but he's going to you know be able to go up against guys in, in the slot and, and really do well against them. That's what his specialty was in 2016. Um, hopefully we'll see a lot of him out of that, and I can't wait to see him in the preseason again because I really did miss him last year. He was one of my favorite players in 2016. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about Maurice Kennedy. Um, he's had some injury issues himself. Uh, he got some play time a little bit, but he's really, you know, it seems like he's been hyped up last year. It didn't really pan out to be super, super good. But I think if he does develop into a good cornerback, we'll, we'll, I mean, this this defensive secondary would be amazing at that point. But he's, you know, regardless, he's still he's still decent for NFL standards. So he's going to be a depth guy who's going to come in in certain uh, packages, relieve certain players when they need to, and be in for a few plays, maybe five to ten plays a game. Now, if he could become uh, develop into an even better player, he could, you know, get some more play time, maybe relieving Brandon Carr and Tavon Young a little bit, maybe Jimmy Smith with his um, numerous injuries. Um, but Maurice Kennedy. Uh, he's one to watch this this preseason, see how his development um, takes place. Now, I also want to talk about the two safeties, the two starting safeties on the team, because they are part of the secondary. It's Eric Weddle and Tony Jefferson. Now, Eric Weddle, um, you may know him for his amazing beard, but he's also a very good safety. Um, spent a lot of time with the Chargers, uh, last couple of years with the Ravens, played well, went to a Pro Bowl. Now, what we see out of Eric Weddle... We know what we're going to get out of Eric Weddle. He's going to be a ball-hawking safety, and he's going to be basically very integral in reading the opposing offense and calling things out to um, team members. 
So we're going to see him continue his role as safety. He's basically the veteran of that secondary. He's the leader of that secondary at this point. Um, and he's really, you know, a mentor to some of the other defensive backs as well. He's very, very important for this, uh, as long as he stays healthy. And he hasn't really had an injury problem since joining the Ravens. And I don't know what his um, deal was with the Chargers. But as long as he can stay healthy and continue on the path he's continued on, I think Eric Weddle will be a very um, good safety again this year for the Ravens um, in his third year with the team. That being said, Tony Jefferson is more of the dark horse for the Ravens. And the reason for that is because um, last year he played well, but he didn't play super great um, based on our expectations. So Tony Jefferson had some issues. You know, he blew coverage a few times. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's all Tony Jefferson's fault because I think a lot of it had to do with Dean Pease's um, defensive scheme. He moved him around. You know, Tony Jefferson's always been this in-the-box safety. He's he's more he's a, like a linebacker in that sense. But he was taken out of the box and placed more into these other, you know, one-on-one -on -one coverages and everything. And that's just not what he was used to. So he was, you know, out of his comfort zone. And it's understandable that, you know, he didn't always succeed in that point. I think um, Martindale, the new defensive coordinator, understands this issue. And he's going to um, move on and try to get Tony Jefferson into more situations where we know Tony Jefferson's going to be the Tony Jefferson we, we signed, right? And he's going to have a lot more opportunities to to uh, do very well against opposing offenses and make some plays um, on quarterbacks and receivers. So um, it's going to be a more aggressive uh, defensive scheme overall when it comes to blitzes and, and, you know, tighter coverage. I think that'll be overall better for the secondary, and I think that uh, Martindale is really going to use Tony Jefferson in the way that he knows Tony Jefferson is going to produce um, and really have him be a key factor on the team. Um, so, yes, Martindale, um, his, he's revamping this defensive scheme. Dean Pease was consistently criticized for his uh, prevent defense, if you will. Um, the prevent defense basically was... Let's say we're, we're harking back to the last game of the season. The Bengals are driving on fourth and twelve or whatever it was, and you don't want to give a big, big play, so you pull all your cornerbacks back. Well, the problem is that now allows Andy Dalton to throw over the middle, you know, for six or seven yards, and have the guy run down the field and into the end zone, basically unopposed. That's the problem. You're not pressuring him, you're, and you're alleviating the pass rush too, because you're putting all these cornerbacks out, you know where they're not able to get to him. So one missed tackle would just lead to a completely disastrous play. Martindale doesn't really want to do that. He wants to be more aggressive up on the front end and push down on the quarterback, and he wants to have this tighter coverage. So what we're going to see in these endgame scenarios is that, let's say it is another situation where it's 4th and 12 with the same Bengals offense. Uh, Andy Dalton, he looks to pass. Now instead of three pass rushers, he's got five. So we're blitzing Andy Dalton now. So now he's got to watch out for Suggs, Judon, um, Carl Davis, let's say Brandon Williams, and I don't know, Michael Pierce. So you got, you know, these two outside rushers and these three inside guys coming at you. With five on the offensive line, all it takes is one guy to get beat. Now, the, the Bengals could pull one tight end back and say, okay, you should block on Suggs because we have a mismatch over here. Problem is, now you have a mismatch in the secondary, and if you pull the secondary up and say, we're going to have a tighter coverage here, now you got, you know, tight coverage on all these guys and maybe a zone. And then there's going to be one safety. Let's say it's, for instance, Tony Jefferson or maybe Eric Weddle um, being the free safety running around just, you know, double covering whoever he wants to. So A.J. Green can get double covered because now they pull this tight end. And if they don't put that tight end there, there's a very good chance that Suggs or Judon or Michael Pierce or Brain Williams or whoever 
is going to be able to beat one of these uh, offensive linemen and hit Andy Dalton and sack him on 4th and 12. Um, I've always liked a more aggressive defense in endgame scenarios. I think it's it's better overall for the scheme. I think it produces more results than a prevent uh, defense does. I think prevent defense is weak and really um, gives it all to, to the enemy and ba basically saying, you know, if you can find a way around this, go for it. You're not really pushing them towards a certain... Um, certain goal there you're not really saying okay we dominate you we're gonna stop you on fourth and 12 and go to the playoffs I mean this is the same thing that happened in the Pittsburgh game this year and the Pittsburgh game last year you saw Pittsburgh you know Ravens offense scored like 37 points against Pittsburgh that should get us the win and it didn't why because the defense messed up and it's not so much the defensive players the defensive scheme wasn't you know tailored to beat Ben Roethlisberger Ben Roethlisberger under pressure is going to make mistakes. We know this. He's afraid of Terrell Suggs. We get it. But when you pull, you know, your your rushers and you, you know, do this prevent defense, all he's going to do is keep getting it to Antonio Brown for 10 yards here, 10 yards there. That's what it was. Just 10 yards, 10 yards, 10 yards. And then they score a touchdown and they win the game. Same thing happened um, the previous year on Christmas Day uh, with the immaculate extension, if you will, when Antonio Brown sent the Ravens home for the playoffs there. So really, um, this defensive scheme is going to really cater to the structure of the secondary and help out um, in the overall performance of the secondary. And hopefully, we can see a more aggressive Ravens defense perform infinitely better than, than last year. And if that is true, then this no one's going to be able to get through them. It could rival Ravens 2000 if it all went very well. So we'll have to see. Next week, we'll talk about Ravens linebacker core and why uh, they could be one of the better cores. I don't think they would be the best core, but they could be one of the better cores in the league. We'll talk about that next week. But now, I want to move on to um, a list I compiled of five offensive rookies to watch this preseason. So, as you know, the Ravens preseason starts next week with the Hall of Fame game against the Chicago Bears. Uh, Hall of Fame game is always decided by uh, picking two teams that have a player going to the Hall of Fame. So this year, both uh, Brian Urlacher of the Chicago Bears and Ray Lewis of the Ravens are going to the Hall of Fame. So they selected the Bears and Ravens to play. Um, next week, we will talk about five defensive rookies to watch this preseason. But here's the list of the five offensive rookies that I've compiled. And I think this is a really interesting list. It gives you... Everyone from high, very high, you know, draft picks to undrafted here. Um, these guys are going to be most intriguing to watch, and I think it'd be very worth watching the preseason for it. Because a lot of fans just simply don't watch the preseason. But, you know, when you have these stories of players trying to make the roster and, and you know, find out who's going to be the best on the depth chart, it's really interesting to see how it all unfolds. So the first player I want to talk about on this list is none other than Lamar Jackson. We already touched on his situation earlier. What I want to see out of Lamar Jackson... It's a trend of overall improvement through every game. I think it's pretty obvious he is not ready at this current state to go up against a starting NFL defense and perform well. He's got a lot of work to do. I'm not saying he can't do it. I think he can do it, but he's got to get you know he's got to get developed here. So we have to see in his, from game one to game five of the preseason. I almost said game four because it's usually just four. Game one to game five. We have to see his overall accuracy improve, his overall statistics improve. We have to see him be smart with the ball, and we have to see him use his athleticism to his advantage. So what that all means is basically, first of all, we have to see him pass um, better and better. 
I know in the first preseason game, he's going to make a lot of mistakes, probably. And that's if he plays. I don't even know if he's going to play. The Ravens haven't, you know, said who's going to play, who's not going to play. Because a lot of times, they keep people out in the first preseason game. So, whatever. Assuming he plays, we, we need to see him go from maybe, you know, what I expect to be 45% completion to 55% completion in the span of those five weeks. Um, on average, I want to see it continually go up. He needs to be able to read the defense well. He needs to be able to to um, figure out where to put the ball. In the NFL, you got a lot of fast guys who are going to come and steal the ball that wouldn't be able to do that in college when you're throwing the ball. So I expect some interceptions early on. I expect some stupid plays. I mean, everybody's going to make stupid plays when you're coming out of college to the NFL. It's just how, how it is. Um, but he's going to have to improve there. I want to see him um, use his athleticism to his advantage. You know, he, he's very... Athletic. He's a fast runner. He can he can make people miss. He's gonna you know make plays. But I don't want him to see him, you know, always go to it. I don't want to see him at the first sign of trouble run away from the pocket and you know run as fast as he possibly can, for two reasons. Number one, he could be missing something down the field that could be infinitely better. Let's say he looks at Crabtree, uses his first read, and Crabtree's covered by two guys. He instantly takes off. But he didn't look on the right side, and let's say Willie Sneed's over there uh, uncovered right for 50 yards but he gets five yards on the run so missed opportunity that's just hypothetical but there's another issue that happens with a lot of players if they just you know continually run over and over again you see this with running backs a lot because you can't play a running back every single down of the of the the game and have him run every single time you want to run is the the toll it's going to take on your health you know we want to see lamar jackson again stay healthy i mentioned this earlier if he runs the ball too much early you know and, and continues that trend it's not going to go well for him. We're going to see what happened to RG3 happen to him, and we don't want to see that. Um, so overall, um, I want to see the consistent improvement of Lamar Jackson and see him honing his skills further and further. I think he has some advantages. He's obviously that really speedy guy, and I think he's got a nice cannon of an arm, but his accuracy needs to tremendously improve. So if we can see that all happen, then we're going to be nice and um, solid with that. So the next offensive player I want to touch on is Jordan Lasley. Now, Jordan Lasley is a wide receiver out of UCLA. He was picked in the fifth round of the NFL draft this year. Um, he was the Ravens pick after Julio Scott. And the reason I picked him over Julio Scott is because I want to talk about how Jordan Lasley has impressed the coaches and the media so far, um, and even fans who have, who have gone to the practices in these uh, series of practices. So, Lasley has really impressed. He's um, basically been said to have played much better than any fifth-round pick normally would play. And that's great news for the Ravens because the Ravens have had trouble drafting receivers for years. And if they finally got one down with Jordan Lasley, that would be phenomenal. Now, Lasley did have some issues, you know, off the field in college, but let's hope he's, you know, uh, um, left that behind him. There's a lot of hype surrounding him. Um, he's made a lot of plays again. And I want to see how well he does versus other teams. So a lot of times in practice, you know, a player can make plays in practice because it's, you know, oftentimes, you know, they know basically what's coming for them or it's a one-on-one -on -one situation or something like that. I want to see him go against a defense he's never played before or a team he's, he's scattered for a week. Maybe they do show, I don't know exactly if they show what they show, um, you know, in tape leading up to the first preseason game. But I want to see him, you know, go against these guys and make some plays I want to see him, you know, the Bears defense is a good defense coming up in this first game. I want to see him make some plays. You know, he, he's he got to, to show it in that sense. Uh, I think he probably will. 
Um, but there's also a chance he doesn't. And if he doesn't, then then what, what does it matter if he's done in practice if he can't perform in a preseason game, right? How is he going to perform in a regular season game if he can't do anything in a preseason game? So if we if we see him perform well, and I'm talking like a couple catches a game, not like 100 yards every game, maybe two catches, 35 yards, you know, overall catch most of the balls that go to him, overall that he catches a few passes a game, and overall that he, you know, maybe scores a couple times then I'd be happy um, because he's not going to be a starter. You know, he, he's going to be a depth wide receiver. Him and Julio Scott are definitely going to make the roster as, as depth wide receivers here. Um, we'll see how those t- uh, that he pans out in that sense. Uh, the next player I want to talk about is Mark Andrews, the tight end out of Oklahoma. Now the Ravens drafted two tight ends this draft, him and Hayden Hurst. Uh, the reason I'm picking Andrews is because I think we know what we're going to get with Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst is big body tight end and he's gonna you know he's gonna be a blocker and a catcher he's an all-around uh, good tight end but Mark Andrews is more um, concentrated in the in the vertical threat sense of the uh, of the tight end position um, and the Ravens are trying to revamp this tight end uh, group so they drafted these two tight ends they have Nick Boyle who's gonna be the primary blocker and we don't know what's gonna happen with Vince Maley or Max Williams um, they could end up gone so with, but we know Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle and um, Hayden Hurst will almost all certainly make the roster unless something crazy happens. So we want to see if Mark Andrews um, can be the next Dennis Pitta in a sense because the Ravens have missed that tight end that Joe Flacco loves um, to pass to. Now Dennis Pitta was you know a great tight end for the Ravens, but he had injury issues. That was the problem. He he his end of his career he was barely on the field, but 2016 he ends up coming back. And leads all tight ends and receptions. Joe Flacco absolutely loves to pass the tight ends. And, you know, you can't blame them. They're big-bodied. You know, they're a mismatch for corners. And then the linebackers just simply can't catch up to them because most of them don't have the speed to do so. So you put a put a uh, tight end out there, and he's a mismatch for most players, you know. And Flacco loves to take advantage of it. Um, last year, the starting tight end, you know, was Nick Boyle for most of it. Oh, I'm sorry, and, and Benjamin Watson. And Benjamin Watson's a good player, but, you know, he's not a super fast guy. He's not super huge either. You know, he's average. With these two, they're both very, you know, they're bigger and specialized. And and Mark Andrews is going to be this vertical threat um, that Joe Flacco needs. He's had some healthy, um, I'm sorry, some health issues in training camp. He's been on and off playing in, in practice. So I want to make sure that. He can go through all five games without a major injury because I don't want to see uh, Mark Andrews injured very often, especially with the hype surrounding him that he's going to be a you know the second um, the second tight end in this this field of tight ends. With that being said, I'm looking for a good preseason out of uh, Mark Andrews, and I think that we probably will see uh, a, a good performance out of the tight end. Okay. So number four on this list is Orlando Brown Jr. Tackle Oklahoma, you know, second Oklahoma picked, or player picked by the Ravens, and he was also picked in the third round. So two Oklahoma players picked in the third round. Uh, Orlando Brown is a bit of a uh, interesting player in the sense that he was originally slated to be a first-round pick, and that was before a really terrible, um, dreadful combine performance by Orlando Brown. I actually remember... Um, covering that comp, the combine a couple of months ago, and the moment I saw the uh, 14 bench presses for an offensive lineman, I was thinking immediately that he's going to fall at least to the second 
probably third round, and that's exactly what happened. Um, is it really fair to to make a combine um, performance, make him go all the way to the third round? Absolutely not. I'm a big believer in the tape. The tape does not lie. Everything I've seen of Orlando Brown on the tape, he's strong. He pushes people to the ground. He just had a bad day at the combine. So the Ravens obviously believe this as well. They feel they got a steal on Orlando Brown, that this guy can come in and start right away. Um, he might start that right tackle spot. Um, he very well has the um, ability to. You know, the right tackle um, now being somewhat vacant. Um, you know, last year um, it was kind of up in the air as well. We had um, Austin Howard there at the last second who was brought in, but now it's Orlando Brown, who's probably going to be the starter. It could also be Alex Lewis, but I, I kind of doubt it. You know, Alex Lewis is a good player, but he's more of a depth guy. Um, but Orlando Brown is slated basically to be the starter, and it's a third-round pick. So it's not every day this happens. Um, basically, what I want to see out of him is the confirmation that the tape is exactly what we're getting. I don't want to see any weak points of him. If he's, you know, unable to hold some pass rushers on the right side, and usually, you know, Outside pass rushers are gonna are gonna be good, you know. Terrell Suggs is an outside pass rusher, you know. Lede, uh, not Ladamian Thomas and the other LT Lawrence Taylor was an outside pass rusher. I mean, you know, these outside pass rushers are the guys who are gonna get the most pressure on a quarterback. Typically, he's got to hold up to some of these guys, and he's gonna probably be in there with the starting offense against a starting defense. So for these five games, and we're gonna see, you know, since we do have five games instead of four, we're gonna see an increase in the amount of reps he gets. Um, and the amount of playtime overall he gets that, you know, the Ravens can then take a look at and say, okay, yes, he's he's ready to be the starter. We're going to put him in right away. Because without that combine performance, he would have been a high first-round pick and would have been, a, you know, a no-brainer starter for a, a team. But we do need confirmation that this, this combine is a fluke and then it just, you know, was a weird off day for him. If that's the case, then the Ravens got a complete steal, probably the steal of the draft, if he ends up being a full-time starter. That would be uh, incredible. Okay, so the final player I want to talk about on the list, list I've compiled of rookies, offensive rookies to watch this preseason is Janarian Grant. Now, a lot of you probably don't know who Janarian Grant is because he was undrafted this year. This is the undrafted player on this list. Janarian Grant is a return man from Rutgers, the second Rutgers player we've talked about this um, episode. Uh, he's a, well, a wide receiver and returner. Now, the Ravens do need a returner um, this year. We don't know who the kick returner is going to be. It's not going to be really decided. Um, well, punt and kick returner. But it's not going to be really decided until after the preseason. Um, we also have players like Chris Moore competing for it. But if he's going to take you know, the fourth wide receiver role and have a you know bigger role in the offense than normal, the Ravens might want to scale his, um, his involvement in special teams back. Uh, we might also see um, Tim, Tim White take this position. He was a star last year. In the preseason, and then his injury to his thumb kept him out for the entire year on the injured reserve. So I think that this is probably one of the most uh, interesting positions to watch this year. And the preseason is definitely going to be the return guy. They're going to give a lot of people opportunities to to uh, make a make a move and steal his position away from the other people. Now the Ravens haven't had an extremely good returner since Jacoby Jones. Now when Jacoby Jones was here, the Ravens' return game was excellent. It was, you know, top five basically every year up until uh, Jacoby Jones um, leave, uh, leaving the Ravens. Now, 
if the Ravens um, can find a returner who can match that caliber of Jacoby Jones, then the special teams is going to be a, a very good asset for them. It hasn't really been that way in the past few years. I mean, yes, Michael Campanero was good, but he wasn't great. And the problem with Michael Campanero was his injury issues. Now Tim White, Engineer, and Grant also have their own injury issues. Um, Tim White is coming off of a broken thumb, Engineer, and Grant had a history of repeated injuries at Rutgers University. So, you know, this is all up in the air, this position, and it's going to be really interesting to watch how it unfolds. Um, the way the Ravens have been talking, um, Janarian Grant looks to be a good prospect for this position. Uh, they like him as a wide receiver as well. So if you could fit that dual position as a depth wide receiver and a, um, a return guy, then they could keep him on the roster. Now, that's not to discredit Tim White uh, from being not on the roster as well. I think Tim White has a really nice shot at making the roster. Um, I don't think that Prashad Perryman will make the roster this year, so that should open up another spot. Um, should the ra top three Raven uh, wide receivers in Crabtree, Sneed, and Brown all make the roster, then you have the two other draft picks. I don't think they'll get rid of Jaleel Scott or Jordan Lasley. Then you have room for at least one, maybe two other guys. Tim White or Janarian Grant will probably make the roster. Both of them uh, could make the roster should the Ravens want to carry seven wide receivers if they see uh, one of them very valuable at, um, at returner and the other very valuable at wide receiver. Um, we'll have to wait and see how it goes, though, in the preseason. Um, that's the only way we're going to find out um, who's, you know, really got what it takes to be a Raven, essentially, and play some Ravens football. So that will conclude the first episode of Nest Talk. Um, I hope you enjoyed our, it's about 45-minute long episode, uh, a little longer than I thought it would go. Um, yeah, so you... You can tune in next week, um, Nest, uh, Nest Talk. You'll find us on iTunes, or you can go on BaltimoreFeather.com and check out our podcast episode there. Um, make sure to uh, email us at nesttalk at BaltimoreFeather.com if you have any questions you want addressed about the Ravens or any topics you want covered in general about the Ravens. I'm very open to your ideas. Um, if you've at least made it this far, then you probably like the episode somewhat, so I am happy about that. Um, I'll try to work on refining the the format of the episode and the schedule of the episode. Again, um, this will be a Wednesday's upload, record and upload on Wednesdays, so make sure to tune in to next Wednesday. We'll be covering the some defensive players to watch in the preseason, um, how the linebackers are going to be good this year, and we're also going to talk about the Ravens-Bears game and make some predictions about it. So stay tuned for a jam-packed episode next week on Nest Talk. I'm Chris Linfont, signing out.